0: Hi, this is Tamsin Granger.
1: This is Dan Abuhop.
0: The Tamsin and Dan read the paper on, uh, well, by now it's Monday.
1: Monday. June 20th. Well, we were busy this weekend. <laughs>
0: Celebrating Juneteenth.
1: Yeah, Father's we, Day. How about that?
0: And Father's Day. Yeah. We actually do recognize Juneteenth. Juneteenth. Um, we, we would even if it wasn't a federal holiday. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, you have to explain.
0: That. Well, oh, oh, oh. well as I've said before on the podcast, probably, is that uh, my father's uh, cousin, Gordon, was named after Gordon, General Gordon Granger, who happened to have the job to make the announcement in Texas
1: of the Emancipation Proclamation. Right. We have a Gordon Granger in the family who's related to Gordon Granger. Yes, the distantly, Granger, distantly yes. related. And Gordon Granger led. Was he a general? What was he in the army? He was yes, a, uh, yes.
0: Well, yeah, I don't think. Anybody, don't test me on the history now. But the um, point is,
1: he led the uh, the troops into Texas to. Uh, no, no,
0: no, 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 what? no. He, he was assigned a post in Texas, yeah. and he had to read this. It's not like he did any masterful noble you know thing I, to I create know. the emancipation He's a player. he was just uh, he yeah. delivered the news the important thing is that he delivered the news, the news exactly. was delivered right uh gordon's not we um, appreciate gordon uh and uh, we appreciate our gordon granger as well and uh, so you have a good father's day yeah
1: yeah yeah Pretty good.
0: yeah so grandson hazi was visiting yes hazi is is a riot As he is a riot. He's also a swimmer.
1: Yes. He was
0: exposed to the swimming pool this weekend, and he
1: shrieked with delight. Yes. He's ready to go. And he was not satisfied with being in sort of the side pools. He wanted to be in the main pool. He's ready to swim the length of the pool. He's ready to go.
0: He became a little obsessed with the rubber ducky pool
1: temperature thermometer thingy. That could happen to anybody. But he's... uh, (laughs) It's amazing the way he immediately assumed the horizontal prone Australian crawl position and started going, going, going.
0: I would characterize it more as doggy paddle. Even so. But it was he, kind of instinctive. He's a year old. Yeah. It's not like he stayed afloat or anything, but he was making those kind of movements. He was not overly concerned he, anyway, with keeping it, his head out of the water. It was fun to witness his delight. Yeah, Not, you know, you... you uh, can work hard the rest of your life to create situations that delight your children or grandchildren and this happened so we're thankful okay so we have birthdays coming up this week uh, my mother vivian granger is going to be 97
1: 97 she's getting up there we have to say it We yeah. no longer can ignore that she's getting up there in age 97 years old yes and uh, my brother is I don't know. Should we say he, his, he's, he's like
0: sixty-seven, right?
1: No, he's even, even younger than that. But the point is, he's uh, significantly younger than ninety-seven. That's the important point. And, and
0: still kicking.
1: Yes, sort of. Uh, yeah, as is your mother. So, yeah.
0: uh, so they're both getting around. They both uh, uh, enjoy tennis. Michael plays tennis. My mother watches it on TV. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is hilarious because I never saw her take any interest. In tennis, for like the first ninety years of her life, it'd
1: be but more now hilarious. She, now
0: if, she's a fan. It'd
1: be more hilarious if she played tennis. But, uh, yeah, they don't have too much in common. But in any event, uh, it's a big birthday celebration week, absolutely the case. So, um, so it's been
0: beautiful weather. Yes, it's a little we silly. had a nice hot hot day for Hazi's initial swim, and then it got a bit chilly, but still glorious. And uh, so you begin to really appreciate the greenery and surroundings around here. And as, you know, luck would have it in, uh, I think, the real estate section in the New York Times this weekend, uh, there was an article about making money on your yard. Yeah. You know, not just appreciating it for yourself, but you can make some money. And the way to do that is to sign up with Sniff Spot, which uh, brings people together uh who you can it's like Airbnb, but for dogs right who want to run around Well, they're not staying overnight but you're they're nice. not staying over but by the hour you can rent out your yard right. so that uh, a um, dog and his owner may come and frolic about
1: exactly
0: And uh, you know
1: some people make a good amount of money out of it. I think it. this is an opportunity for us. I mean uh, they're talking about it looked like varied rates called20 dollars an hour. Uh, sometimes thirty dollars for two hours, whatever it is. But uh, there's money to be made here, at Tim. And they say you don't have to do a thing. Well, it has to be a
0: fenced-in yard. Yeah. Okay. But you just like uh, you put out some water. Yeah. And that's about it. And the the visitors are supposed to clean up after their own. I dogs, was going to what's the dog
1: waste rule? I mean, uh, it has to I, be. I think it's uh, you gotta B
0: Y B- O. Or I mean, uh, no, p- pick it catch up. Catch and, and release. Um, yeah, take take it with you. Take it with you. Right. Um, so carry in, carry out, kind of thing. Um, so uh, it's not for everybody. Okay, And not everybody is well-behaved. Uh, there's a story here that one group came and it was really like seven people and one dog. And they just uh, wanted to party. And mm-hmm. They just were drinking. You know. um, but anyway, four people, especially well, near urban areas where your right. dog doesn't have room to run around and really enjoy. See, that's where it,
1: it really has value. I mean, if you're really in an urban landscape and you really yearn for a situation where you can let the dog off the leash... It makes some sense to say, okay, for 20 bucks, uh, here's a place I can let the dog off the leash. Yeah. And 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 they do say this, and I don't, I don't have a dog, so I don't really know. But some of these folks seem to value the idea that there are not other dogs around.
0: Yes, not everybody likes the local dog park. Right, which and, I didn't
1: know. I thought well, everybody loved the well, local dog park. Well, you
0: know, park. for instance, we have a neighbor yeah. uh, who their dog... Uh, Jeff. I don't know if you've ever seen Jeff walking
1: his dogs. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely.
0: They are... um, It's a big dog. Well, they are... uh, What do you call them? The rescue dogs. Okay. And they are not sociable at all. Oh, really? And uh, so he can't even walk them together. He has to walk them separately. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you could see how... If you have a dog like that who is not sociable, Mm -hmm. it's an opportunity for, you know, let him run around, have a great time. Now... The rates go from like ten dollars an hour for one dog, fifteen dollars for two. I guess they charge okay. more depending on how many dogs it is. But they they have a lady in here with a um, uh, several acres, I guess, on her park, her yard, and she charges thirty five dollars an hour. And she's also got a setup of like uh, you know, kind of a um, uh, you know, seesaw tunnels, you know, obstacle course. Uh, For the animals, we could do that. Yeah, (laughs) but uh, you know, there were all these great anecdotal stories about people who uh, you know say, "Why not?" You know, and there's one guy who, uh, um, you know, does Airbnb too. He's he's trying to squeeze every penny uh, out of his house, which is Mm -hmm. just sitting there. Mm -hmm. So you know, uh, maybe there's uh, something to it. And one woman actually uh, pretty much depends on. Uh, this for you know most of her income. She has thirty to forty bookings a week, That's a lot. and her own dogs barely get get time in the yard. Okay, there's a, at the end of it. The article says, yeah, you know they're talking to this woman and she says, well, you know, uh, I had a slot open at eleven, but they missed that. I think I can get them in after eight p.m. Her own dogs into the yard. So anyway, it's worth considering. I, I mean, I've thought about stuff like that because I think of inviting people with dogs over to run around. Yeah. Because I feel like if there's the, you know, the essence of dog in the area, maybe
1: it will discourage some of the deer. So you want something out of it. You're not just doing doing it to be nice. You, you feel that it helps us.
0: I think it's a win-win for everybody.
1: Basically. You know. Well, it's a bigger win-win if we charge them 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's just oh, the point. But... but.
0: It is a twenty-two percent right. fee to sniff spot.
1: Oh yeah, well that's you, you have to don't, pay. But well, you don't have to use that. You just, we have our own. You know, we know people. We can just put up a sign, right? Exactly. Take up a big ad in the uh, New York Times on the Times. telephone post out just, here in the country where yeah. everybody already has a yard. I don't think it's going to. Uh, no, no, here it's not going to work. You know, what it was kind of interesting too. Was that some people said they use it and they'll just go once a week or once a month or something. You, you know, you don't need it as a regular dog walking routine no, you're just not doing it every yeah. every morning Time and afternoon
0: easy. it's just a little adventure for your doggy Listen especially to. if it's if he's you know stuck if the dog is kind of stuck in the confines of a condo uh, look
1: it's just uh, it's another way it's like uh you know drive sharing or anything uh it's a way to uh maximize use of resources it's an economic proposition, Tamsin. I mean, that's as a matter of fact, when I think of what we're going to talk about today, there are a lot of economic propositions which seem odd at first instance, but when you think about it, they make some sense, right?
0: Yeah, so um, my next article is uh, right along those lines Meet the pea cyclers. Hmm. And a fertilizer shortage has farmers desperate. Human urine has the very nutrients. The crops need. Uh, so there's a story about a woman who uh, um, saw a poster in town uh, for a meeting to find out more about pea cycling. This is in, Ver- in Vermont, of, of course. course, of course. Okay, <laughs> and uh, she can't go. She sends her husband. Next thing you know, uh, they've got a jug in their bathroom. They're saving urine um, and uh, uh, to be used as fertilizer. So, um, apparently it makes sense. Apparently there are lots of nutrients
1: in the urine. You're looking at me, I, I'm not going to argue with you. I, I, I read the article, I, I can't, uh, first of all, the big news is it's much more nutritive than solid waste. I want to get that out there. So, no, but,
0: they, but the, the, they both contribute. Yeah. Okay, you need uh, um, the
1: animal... No, no, it's animal solid waste and human solid waste. We're yeah. not dealing with human solid waste. We're just dealing with urine. Uh, although they do talk a little bit about the other, but let's focus on the urine. Okay. And uh, what struck me about the How article- often
0: does somebody say that to you? What? Let's, let's focus po- on the let's urine. Let's focus on the urine. Okay. Uh,
1: it's a real thing, though. It's not like this is some crazy... Uh, these two couples in Vermont who have opted out of, the, out of uh, civilization. It's not that at all. It's, it's, a, it's a thing.
0: Yeah, these people went from dropping off a couple of containers every week or so at an organizer's home to installing large tanks... At their own house, that get professionally pumped out. Right. Okay. So the urine has to be pasteurized and then it has to
1: get to the farm. Oh, well, it's pasteurized just by letting it sit for a while. That would kind of. Well, there are me. various ways to do you it. You don't have I think. to do very much. Yes.
0: Yeah. You don't have to do very much, but you know, you can't just throw it
1: right on. No. Right. No, you can't, you have to, yes.
0: And this is a win win because it's an excellent fertilizer. Yeah. Okay. But also, uh, Toilets are, in fact, by far the largest source of water use inside the homes. Okay, So ecologically, so, yes, you can cut down on toilet use. You're, yeah, you're cutting down on water usage, to be more but precise. also,
1: money is changing hands here. I think people are paying for the urine at a certain point. It's not like you just say, okay, I'm going to try this. I'll just go to the urine pickup. You pay for the urine, which means people are getting paid to urinate, honestly, I mean, there's. I a,
0: don't think that I don't. I don't know if the people who. Well, are,
1: we don't know where. It,
0: it depends on where you are. Okay. Well, let me go slowly.
1: You, there's no question people are paying for the. Urn.
0: But but anyway, it's more than just the water usage that makes it ecological. Yeah. Because, uh, as I state here, um, inadequate sanitation systems, including leaky septic tanks and aging wastewater infrastructure. Overload rivers, lakes, and coastal waters with nutrients from urine. Runoff from chemical fertilizers makes it even worse. Together, the result is algae blooms that trigger mass die-offs of animals and other plants. Right. So the urban environments and 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 aquatic environments become hideously polluted. While rural environments are depleted of what they need, mm-hmm. so this is a way to kind of even that out, right. and it, you know it's it's a real win-win. Now there are a couple of interesting stories here. One is about uh, a a place in Niger, you know, in Africa, where um, this was a way to actually help female farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, Improve their lot. Uh, Female farmers were often uh, relegated to land farther away from town uh, Mm -hmm. than uh, the male farmers, and uh, there was um, kind of, um, I guess, the uh, there was a study team that kind of realized that uh, the male farmers' uh, crops. We're doing much better. Uh, Part of the reason is it it was, you know, it's very hard, hard for the women to lug Mm -hmm. the fertilizers out to the property, but also they realized that the lots closer to town were benefiting from the occasional people relieving themselves along the side of the road or whatever. Um, So they started a pilot project in 2019 where 27 volunteers collected urine um, in jugs, and they had to let it sit a couple weeks uh, to um, pasteurize, and then added it with animal manure to their... um, Farms, farms yeah, their crops, crops. Yeah. and the results were amazing. There's a 30% increase in yield, mm-hmm. right? So uh, by now, uh, by the next year, 100 people signed up, then 1,000, then the men start doing it too. So in the families, you have this sort of uh, vying for urine and, and the fathers and the mothers kind of pitting themselves uh against each other for the children's urine and so on you also have people who are have also as you said started buying the urine um and uh selling it this is all happening in africa and it's increased in demand um it's good the price has gone up allegedly from one dollar for 25 liters to six dollars yeah. Uh so that's that's a great increase. You can go pick up your urine like you're picking up a gallon of water or a gallon of fuel. Uh, so that's in Africa. Um but uh, and in the US uh they um the you know give some stories from uh something called the Rich Earth Institute that uh handles uh, uh a lot of this um and is studying it. So um, yeah, they, um, the director of education, uh, actually has uh, a mantra called that, uh, she quotes, P the change. P the change. Yeah. Like yeah, be yeah. the change. Got it. P the change. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, and you know,
1: there's this, uh, well, it's funny to see it. It's, it's a creative, uh, ecological solution. You don't see too many solutions out there, although it is a little, you know, little creepy. Uh, no,
0: it's not. I don't think it's creepy at all. all right. I think it's just, uh, you know, we've habitually done things a certain way. Yeah. And uh, we can learn to do things uh, another way. Uh, I mean, it's going to. Well, this could be a big change. I, mean, I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of complicated. A lot of sources of out It would change everything about how you build houses right. and, uh, you know, um, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, but uh, they say, you know, the. Um, it makes sense in a lot of ways and the sense of gratification uh, using your own body's nutrients to heal instead of hurt the earth
1: well look just the the counterpoint here just in a sense it makes it sort of underscores that the solutions like the one you're just talking about aren't that easy to come by Is a story in the journal about the the price of no plastic it's a Iceland is a grocery chain in the UK, and the UK has enacted rules, pretty aggressive rules, to cut down on the use of plastic in in, uh, food packaging. Uh, And uh, Iceland is is a company which truly believes in this and has made it part of its mission to eliminate the use of all plastic uh, by 2023, or sometime in 2023, by the end of 2023. And that's... uh, Terribly ambitious because what they're talking about is even though they are big believers and they're trying to make the change, they're running into problems um, in kind of uh, pretty um, mundane products. For example, you know, bananas were always wrapped in plastic for them. Now they're putting in paper and, and the bananas are rotting more quickly or snapping off more quickly, which is costing them money. They were. They used to put uh, all the uh, potatoes they had in plastic bags, uh, and uh, the, the paper bags don't seem to work as well. If they use the plastic bags, they put holes, in them, the the potatoes roll out. Uh, one thing totally unexpected. That seems is,
0: all. Right, that all seems a little lame. They're, okay. Here's one. We, here's one. Uh, okay. We. we we buy bananas all the time. We've never used a bag. Well, okay? I think
1: they're talking and they're about... And they're not displayed in the bag. But I think they're talking right? about the... Trans- well, I don't know. Okay. I don't understand the banana thing. Okay. I, I admit, I admit, I don't understand the banana thing. But here's one. They say that they had the higher-end items, like steak or whatever, in plastic trays. And they stopped using plastic trays. And when they stopped using plastic trays, people were reaching over and grabbing some people were grabbing steaks and putting them in their pockets. You couldn't bend the plastic trays. You couldn't shoplift them as easily, but shoplifting went up substantially when they eliminated the plastic trays, okay? Uh, <laughs> all right, let me ask you this. What? What? E- even if you're even if you're not putting it in
0: your pocket, yeah. What do you do with it <laughs> if it's I, look, I'm not running this I, down. They, you My know, point is, yeah, these you just, guys... How do you solve that problem? The, the way you solve that problem is you, you have, in an old-fashioned butcher shot. Yeah, your your grandfather was not using any plastic. Yes, but he was okay. standing
1: there over the. All meat. right, so, so some, with, somebody's gotta got somebody. to be standing look, there. Look,
0: and the way the price of beet is going up is, you know, it's going to merit well um, treatment like it's rare jewels of, behind the there counter. Are all
1: kinds of products that you know, there's shrimp. They're, they're talking about all kinds of things that they rely on plastic packaging, and they haven't found an obvious substitute. They've been experimenting with a combination of paper and plastic. You're familiar with paper which has a sheen of plastic on it, and that's suitable for some things, not suitable for other things. For example, anything that's greasy, like dog food, it just won't work. It just falls completely apart. And even though they came in with the best of intentions to turn things around immediately, they're running into problems. The result is it costs them more. And there probably are solutions. But again, it will cost more. And if you're in an inflationary environment, no one's going to want to hear that there's higher prices at the supermarket because the packaging is different. I think...
0: I think we definitely can uh, improve the package waste. Yeah. Okay. But this article sounds like bull. Uh, I don't know. I I mean, this. I mean, there's a lot of uh, there. You know, there. uh, There are a lot of products they're talking
1: about that don't really seem to merit. Uh, look, really I was struck by balance. the bananas thing too, but they go on and on about the bananas. They say they lose a lot by not having plastic packaging for the bananas. These people are yeah, professionals, yeah, No, I, I think talking. this
0: is a fluff piece. A fluff piece to in the or, journal?
1: Yeah. In, to look, but I do believe the principles. To kind of save
0: the chain. I do chain. think
1: there are some. They say,
0: well, look, we try. Listen,
1: there are a lot tried. of. Tried. There are problems uh, that are going to be difficult to solve. Uh, when you're going to yeah. cut down on waste, it's going to cost more money. I'm not saying it can't be solved. But you're gonna. It's gonna be changes, and it's gonna be expensive changes. Here's the problem. What's that? Okay,
0: the reason we're using all these plastics and containers. Yeah. Uh, or one of the reasons is because is to allow self service. Yeah. All right. Right. And uh, so if you reverse it, yeah. and things are not packaged in this same way, yeah, you're going to need more help. No, so more labor. Exactly. Okay? Labor is the one thing we ain't got so enough say, of right now. You're going to need... Uh, you're gonna you need know,
1: we, we, every business seems to be suffering from a shortage of labor. If you're going to want to process urine. You're going to need people to do that, too. I mean, it, it, yeah, it, it's going to be people. There's no question it's going to so be So,
0: you know, that's we, we've got to figure out this labor thing. I wow. mean, this is a mess. I think,
1: uh, I think that will get figured out. Those are economic principles. I think that, that, that will change. That's cyclical. That goes up and down. But all these are adjustments to the economy. So here's another example. There's an article about uh, a new film in Japan, which is apparently a feature-length film called Plan 75, which won a Special Distinction Award at the Cannes Film Festival.
0: Uh, Plan 75? Plan 75. And what is
1: Plan 75? Plan 75 is a plan where everyone in the country uh, submits to being euthanized at the age of 75. Uh, is it, that, that's the theme of the movie. that's the thesis it, so of uh, the movie.
0: Let, let me guess and uh, uh, somebody rises up no. and tries to escape no, and I, they're I on the run from the I authorities. Think that, I don't think that's it because they're 75 and a half or something I, I don't there. think
1: that's it. I mean uh, my point is that the, the film is made uh, mm-hmm. by oh, a those. woman named Shi Hayakawa. She's the director and the, it's no uh, coincidence. That it's a Japanese film because Japan has the oldest population going. Uh, They have uh, close to one third of Japan's population is 65 or older. Think about that. One third. No, when we read all these articles about
0: the robot animals and, and different innovations for seniors, it's always starting in Japan.
1: Right. One out of five people over 65 in Japan also lives alone. They have the highest proportion of people with. Dementia, And they also have a rapidly declining population, which means that those numbers are going to continue to be skewed in that direction. Mm -hmm. There's also one other thing about Japan, which this woman remarks about. The mindset in Japan, she says, is that if the government tells you to do something, you must do it. Oh. That's the way they are. Well, this is all
0: interesting. Yeah. Because... I just finished a book by my buddy Louise Penny you yeah. know inspector gamash yeah. uh novels yeah and uh, the plot of that had to do with a scientist uh who was becoming popular mm-hmm. and her recommendation was she said the data proves that uh you know both the elderly and uh and anybody you know truly infirm whether it's a uh, you know an unhealthy uh should uh be euthanized and because it was a, just a huge expense right. for the economy right. to be raising uh, you know handicapped right. uh, uh people and ill people and uh, elderly people mm-hmm. and so the you know the um plot revolves around uh the uh, kind of, you know, gathering steam or gathering some support for this crazy, crazy mm-hmm. uh, notion. Right. Uh, that, and and also the other side of it, people are freaking out because uh, what if this becomes law and, you know, uh, my mother or my daughter will be put to death or whatever. And, of course, somebody gets murdered and Inspector Gamache, you know, has to sort through all these
1: Well, the
0: article suggests, yeah, I don't... So I guess guess it's a thing. I don't know. I mean, uh, Louise Penny, madness of crowds. She wouldn't be writing about this unless, uh, you know, it was in the air.
1: Well, there's a suggestion in the article that some of this uh, was sort of um, experienced in the COVID pandemic. There was a thought that you shouldn't devote that much resources. It's a different way, but it's a milder way to people who are older or and, and in decline, mm-hmm. and and the suffering comorbidity, uh, because uh, there's no there there or very little there there, mm-hmm. and you you concentrate your resources in terms of younger people. Uh, that doesn't when I put it that way. It doesn't seem that bizarre, but it is sort of a step in the same direction you're talking I don't know. about.
0: It's just it, it's the whole notion is just kind of breathtaking.
1: Yeah. It's well, look. It's just again, it's, it's, it's economics. Scary. It's um, it's the environment, so, whatever. Uh, uh, so, it, so, it is. so the film is the film. I mean, uh, you all see the did film. It, did it just cause a sensation, or did people no, like, I actually I, think it's good? I, they they think it's good. Uh, she, it, it becomes an article about her as a director and how she's a recognized director, and people respect the film, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but um, you know, I, I think it's uh, it's just garnering some discussion. That's all.
0: If that ever happened, I mean, you'd probably you just have people hard, dying of heart attacks. with you to seventy-two take, or something.
1: Anyway, I'm just exposing you uh. to, to uh, what's out. All right, that, that all right. So just, here's here's let's continue along this economic vein. All right, um, and death for that matter. Sharon Oster passed away. Okay, so who is Sharon Oster? Sharon Oster was um, an economist. Uh, who worked at uh, Yale's business school. She was dean for a while, and uh, she was notable because there weren't too many uh, women deans of business schools, uh, very few. She's one of the first. There's probably weren't too many women economists at the time, Um, and uh, therefore she was groundbreaking. She certainly uh, is quoted here as having some feminist perspectives, but more than that, uh, being an economist, economist. So why did it catch my eye? It caught my eye because... Because she's an economist. No, not really. It caught my eye eye because um, her daughter, one of her daughters, one of her children, is Emily Oster. Emily Oster is a woman who's an economist who's published quite a bit. Was uh, introduced to introduced to us by our kids. Yeah, whatsoever Both of them, both grandparents. Well, a, Zeke Zeke and, Noel
0: and Noel had the first baby, so they uh, they found her first, I think. Right,
1: and she basically writes books on, for example, on child rearing. Is what we're talking about here. But she is applying economic principles to issues like child rearing and other issues besides. And she's kind of interesting. It's kind of provocative. We've
0: talked about it several times right. and, on the podcast. And
1: people like Zeke and Noel, you know, take her. Uh, Child-rearing advice to heart, or at least take it quite seriously. Uh, but again, what makes it a little different, it's not a Dr. Spock, you know, this is the point of development. It's applying economic principles. Um, so it is uh, provocative. What, what's interesting uh, about uh, Sharon Oster is is the combination of her being, at least interesting to me, it's combination of being uh, a fem- feminist and... An economist. And uh, she, she did some unusual things in terms of feminism, which was just interesting. For example, um, when she came time to name her daughter Emily, the question was, what's surname to give her? Her husband's name.
0: They're having their first is, child. Right.
1: Her husband's name is Fair, I believe, and her name is Oster. And uh, they flipped a coin when Emily was born. As Emily says, mom won. So I am named Oster Emily Oster with middle name Fair. Then they alternated for the rest of the kids. Right. So How's her that? younger brother is so and so Oster Fair. Fair. Right.
0: Yeah. So that's. uh I and mean, we have enough. But that's nothing to do with economics. No, no, this is feminism.
1: Okay. Yeah, nothing.
0: but I mean, there there are other cultures. It, there are other, there are many cultures where both the. Um, mother and the father's surnames are incorporated into the name. I'm not saying it's, it's crazy yeah. but here, here, yeah. here's, here's my thing.
1: Here's where the feminism runs into the uh, uh, economics okay? yeah At one point and, and again they're talking with, they're Im- interviewing Emily Oster now that her mother's passed. she says um, her mother uh, and father would alternate making dinner to demonstrate that it wasn't solely a woman's job. Even though, as Emily takes pains to point out, her mother was the better cook. Now let's pause on that for a second. Clearly established, but that's
0: not economics uh-huh. at
1: all. No, it's anti-economics. Here's my point. <laughs> at one point, it's a, exactly. Less efficient use of exactly, the food. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no. It's it's no. a crime against. It doesn't mean nature. he made bad
0: food. He may have made uh, no, 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 Less
1: no. demanding food. She makes the point. She lived through this. Fourteen years. The other woman's the the other person's the better cook, and they're alternating. Can you imagine? Imagine if we had a situation where we said to the kids, "Now, forget when I wasn't available." When, uh, you know, if we send the kids to camp for the weekend to make a point, we'll be it. today. Dad's making dinner instead of mom, so we reinforce the point that in fact, you know, anybody, you know, should be able to make that same contribution. No,
0: yeah, that I'm People, not always stuck cooking exactly there for, would for be the troops.
1: A revolt. No one would live <laughs> with that.
0: I, you know, I don't know because uh, if that were instituted. Think of how much uh, more harmony there would be in the household. This woman, this boy, because every, you know Because um, I would be uh, more relaxed, less fatigued, etc. Everything would be nicer. Children, the
1: food wouldn't be so great. The food wouldn't be. The children. Wouldn't, but, knowing Oscar knew, got bad food every other day for 18 years because He may have outsourced. <laughs> I don't think he did. I don't think he did. But a point, an economist could never do this. How can an economist
0: no. do this? It's not always, you know. Kids don't always prefer the better food, anyway.
1: It's not the they may have said, "Oh, uh, good, Dad's cooking spaghettios." You're fighting the hypothetical. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, I, as an economist, you can. Well, you could, no, but look, I, I yeah. do think it's look,
0: I do think it's actually um, notable yeah. that she would put. Uh, beliefs like that into practice because yeah. that's hard to do you yeah. know, we're, we're all feminists until we get married and have children and just say uh, oh what the heck i'll just do it yeah. you know and uh y- you get stuck in that cycle um so uh, you know hats off to her for let me tell
1: you something i'm gonna strong. i can go back to emily oster's book to, I, I i will bet anything that she does not recommend doing that. Having but, lived through we, fathers. We cooking. talked
0: about her books before and, and and uh there's a lot about uh democracy yeah and stuff like that yes, for but running off. Okay. I mean, you
1: gotta there's a ways to manage it. Anyway. Uh, I think that's a problem. So the. uh, Yeah, you
0: are old school.
1: No, it's not old school. That's economics. You got it right away. I I know that. You got it right away. That is super old school. What what is super old school?
0: You know, when a guy says, it's it's not that I'm against cooking, it's just uneconomical. You know, that's the oldest. I can do the dishes. I I do that. Uh, So here we go. Um, You know, if you start it younger, young enough, right, at the beginning, chances are both people in the relationship are bad cooks.
1: That's not what they say here. The woman's Emily saying, he's a bad cook, she's a good cook. She didn't say he became better. She didn't say she became worse. She just happened to become better. Uh, Look, you're fighting the facts. Um, Here's an interesting book review. Uh, There's a book called Build by Tony Fidel. Who's Tony Fidel? Tony Fidel. What's the book? Build. B-U-I-L-D. Tony Fidel is what's described as an engineer's engineer who happened to be... Uh, at the heart of the development of some pretty, you know, uh, you know.
0: Iconic products. Iconic.
1: That's the word I'm looking for. Products. For the 20th century. Like the iPod, uh, the iPhone, and the Nest thermostat. Okay. okay? Right. Uh, and he... So he made some real stuff. He made some real stuff or at least contributed. Uh, okay. I think all those, there were teams involved in the iProducts. Um... And he talks about his career, and what's interesting, there are two things that come out, that really jump out at me about this. One is, um, he is, as he describes, an engineer's engineer, and he's the kind of guy who shows up uh, in the most nerdy apparel possible, and he's putting his head down, and he's working, and he's working his way up the ladder, and blah, blah, blah. But he realizes that he works for two different companies. First, he works for his company called General Magic, and then he works for Philips. And They managed to develop interesting handheld computer type products Mm -hmm. um, before they took off. But the reason they took off was um, in large part, he says, not because the devices uh, weren't capable, weren't attractive, weren't well developed, but because there was no identified demand for the product people didn't know they needed that product or Mm -hmm. or didn't understand, didn't believe they needed that product. He said no product is worth anything unless it's done uh, in conjunction with a certain marketing perspective such that you're creating a demand or you've identified a demand so that people are going to embrace your product. Uh, And that's why those products fail, Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting because as an engineer, you don't think about that necessarily. Mm -hmm. Uh, He also points out that the key for products like this is they have to be sort of appealing and attractive and to to break new ground, but only to a certain extent. People are not going to accept something that's mind-bendingly different. Mm -hmm. It has to be, at the same time, somewhat similar to what they're used to. It has to be designed to be used in such a way that's somewhat similar to what they're used to. Otherwise, they're not going to do it. Right. And number three, that in fact... it, you know, it's nice if you have a product that does a lot of magical things 12, 14 different magical things. But they might, they're not going to do all of them well. They might do four of them well, eight of them not so well, whatever it is. So this is much more marketable, and much more useful to have a product that does just a few things but does them each extremely well. Okay. Uh, and and uh, so those are interesting. The other thing about it, uh, and, and apparently the book is about his experiences and the team's experiences in developing these iconic. Products. The other thing he talks about is his own career, with and he concedes that he's a little old school, but this is not a guy who's 90 years old and he was working in the 1920s. This is a guy whose career started in 1990, so he's a kid in my mind. <laughs> and uh, he says when he talks about his early days at General Magic, his first job, he writes of working 90, 100, 120 hours a week during uh, which he learned and screwed up and worked and worked and worked. And, uh, he learned finally that humans cannot survive on stress and diet coke alone. I mean, it, you, know, you can understand what he's talking yeah. about. But he comes to the conclusion that that was key to his career. If you want to prove yourself, you want to learn as much as you can and do as much as you can. You need to put in the time. And he goes in apparently in the book, um, to some, at some length to talk about, uh, today's young engineers who come working at Google. And worry, you know, worry about the fact that there aren't the right yogurt in the refrigerator or you have to work, or, you know, walk 200 feet for a snack or whatever. Said, That's not it. Those, those guys aren't going anywhere. They're mm-hmm. not the answer. The answer is this. The people really devote themselves to it and really, uh, you know, time on task, as you like to say. Mm-hmm. So any anyway, event, I, I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, book. All right. So we have to wind this up. So there was one thing I told you there was an odd glitter to the editor of the Times. So that sometimes there is. Very often there is. Apparently, the, well, I know I read the article. There was a column by Pamela Paul some time ago about actors are supposed to act. We should let them talking about the various discussions about what actors are appropriate for certain roles. If there's a gay part in a play or a, a movie, does it have to be played by a gay actor? And then you get into ethnic discussions if someone's an Asian. Part. Right. right. And, and yeah. even have Sarah Sulman talking about, you know, if it's a Jewish part, can you have a non-Jewish actor playing that part? And, uh, Pamela Paul said, uh, yeah, they're actors. They should do what they should do. And that means they can play anything. So there's an, uh, a letter from an actress in which she talks about all the parts that she's played. Um, you know, she played a, a Catholic cross-dresser in one play. She played a painter and a lesbian in another play. And she, um, uh, you know, she goes on and on. And she says, uh, the truth is, I'm none of those things. I currently play Mrs. Tishell and Doc Martin, a Cornish pharmacist with a neck brace. And uh, you know, this is the final series. Otherwise, clearly, I would take several years out to get a pharmacy degree and live in Cornwall and hurl myself down a staircase in order to dislocate my neck. <laughs> but that is all not necessary because I'm an actress. And of course, we know uh, Mrs. Tishell and Doc Martin. And uh, she's reading the Times and writing in. And uh, apparently she's played a lot of different roles. So there you go.
0: I look forward to another
1: uh, season now of Now Doc we know Martin. there's another season. They got that plug in the New yeah, York Times. Yeah, for the yeah, advertising. That's a fun show. All right. So that's all we have. Yep. And uh, this is Dan
0: Abuhoff. And Tamsin Granger with Tamsin and Dan Read the Paper. And we'll be back.